Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm there for the pack coat. You just got to pack me in. Committed to the bow early on. Like, I love getting close and putting up. You cover a range of stuff on here, too, right? Like, we call this the uh, the THP World Headquarters. You know, my grandpa, Roy Weatherby. I came into, like, that golden little pocket where there was, like, four or five different bowls. Just... You're Canadian? We're doing yeah, a I... Canadian podcast? My name's Douglas Boat. I'm Robbie Denning. Royal Candy. That's one. We'll just run that as a podcast. <laughs> we'll get we'll get that one going here. Let me. Uh, I guess. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, oh yeah. Well, Pete's email is about just as long, and his is just his name. So yeah, it's not oh. too bad. <laughs> These went together once. It should automatically autofill too. So I feel like the odd one out here. I don't have the fancy mic or the headphones going on. Well, it's an acquired, it, it's, you have to acquire it. It took Pete a while. It took Pete about a few episodes too, to get, to get dialed in. Yeah. yeah. He's on his boat. What episode are you on now? When did you join? When did you hop oh, on? Fuck. 60 something, mid 60. Wow. Somewhere in there. Been a bit. Wow. It seems a lot longer than it's actually been. Yeah, I sure. know. Yeah. It's like a marriage just always oh, seems fuck. way longer than it's. <laughs> No matter what you do, you just can't get rid of the other one. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> so, uh, what's going on, buddy? What's going on in Alberta? Snow out there. Uh, winter must be full, no full swing now. No, <laughs> well, not where I am. There's no snow. It's it. We kind of had a little bit of a snap there for about a week, and now it's all gone. It's it's unseasonably hot. Like we're we're dealing right now with with like ten degree weather, six to ten degree weather midday. Jeez. Oh shit! It's it's weird. It's weird, especially talking whitetails. It's weird. They're like you don't really. Uh, this isn't something you usually deal with. Not now, anyway. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's crazy warm. Like not like down, like in the city area where I am, it's not crazy warm, but like in general, like, especially in the bush yeah. and there's just like, there is uh there's no snow. It's nice and warm. It feels like it should be October. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's weird. I'm getting geared up tomorrow. I'm going to go do a set with my daughter. It'll be her first time out. Nice. And I like, I guess it's, it's going to be awesome because it's going to be warm, be comfy for her, but 
I've yeah. got the heater in the, in the blind and I'm not even sure if we're going to need to turn it on. That's a good setup. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when what you kind, kids what kind of heater do you have? Time. Like one of those little propane. I have one of those bigger buddy heaters. Yeah. 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 I gotcha. So I use it for ice fishing mostly. This will actually, I don't usually hunt in a blind. I'm just kind of doing it to accommodate my daughter. So she's, uh, she'll be four in January. So she's still pretty young, but it, uh, it heats up an ice fishing tent pretty quickly. So we could be sitting in there in, in, in t-shirts probably. Yeah. Pete dabbles in the ice fishing too and i'm gonna start you know oh are you gonna do it well no i'm not gonna go ice fishing dude oh come no, on no fucking way. come on <laughs> so, um the other guest we had on too um steve rogers he's a big ice fisherman too so uh but you you didn't make that one you're looking for a moose but i was gonna say you know what i'm gonna start rubbing some shit into you here because i remember during the archery shoot you you had no problem rubbing shit into my face, and I said, you know what? Let's we'll just see who does the talking in yeah. September when somebody once we both start punching tags. So let's let's get it over <laughs> with. Get it over with. <laughs> but Jordan, why don't we get started? You <laughs> shoot yourself a quick introduction here, and just uh, let the listeners know who we who we're talking with. Well, I'm just uh, I guess I'm Jordan. I'm a guy from Alberta, Southern Alberta. Um, I like archery. I like bow hunting. Um, I like everything outdoors. Um, I guess what else do you throw into an introduction? I'm a dad of two. Um, I'm hyper obsessive. <laughs> yeah, that's what we hear. Um, you and I made an introduction through Kyle, and he said, uh, "Yeah, he said when it comes to arrows and archery, you're the man to talk to." And uh, you had a pretty good year. You you. Uh, just just uh, looking through your Instagram there, you got the, what was it, the Alberta? Refresh my memory here. I might have to look again, but it was the Alberta. Archer of the a, Year. Yeah, Archer like of the Year. Oh, yeah, yeah. So in the bow hunter class in the ASA, so the ASA is a tour of, of outdoor 3D shoots. Um, I kind of, well, I, I did take first place and everything that I, uh, that I attended. So it was, I believe four out of the five shoots they put on in Alberta. And, um, with that, I was lucky enough to get the shooter of the year. Wow. Deadly. You hear Very that? Nice. Pete? Yeah. Competition. Yeah. Pete <laughs> plays second in the Canadian national. So he's, nice. uh, he's not doing too bad. This year in, in Calgary. Cranbrook. Oh, in Cranbrook. Right on. Yeah. 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 yeah it was the out, it was the outdoor 3d. Okay, I was yeah. gonna say I I uh, I was I took first at that Canadian indoor too in the winter there. Oh, <laughs> sweet! Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. So, is the no majority doubt. of the stuff you do is it indoor or do you do a lot of outdoor as well? I do mostly outdoor. Uh, well, okay, I can't say that. Over the years, I've been doing mostly outdoor. Um, truthfully, this three D thing is fairly new to me. The past few years. Um, but I kind of got into it and, and I started doing okay. And then I decided to take it pretty seriously. So I, I've, I've got into it pretty heavy over the past two, three years. Um, COVID kind of messed, messed up the groove a little bit there, but, um, but yeah, no, I've, I've been really liking it. So, and I'll do some, I'll do mostly, it's not, I guess, overly competitive like the ASA can be, um, in the winter time. 
in the indoor stuff, but I do dabble into that. And, and this year I started uh, doing at the archery world here in Calgary, they have uh, a 3d league night every Wednesday. So I've been, I've been doing that as well. Yeah. That's how is that new, how is that new place in, in Calgary there? I've been hearing all about it. I may be a little bit biased, but I, I don't know. I think it's pretty awesome. It's an awesome range. Um, awesome staff. They got a ton of bows. They're working on their inventory. It's slowly, <clears throat> it's kind of a work in progress. They're, uh, they're starting out. It's, it's a big leap to start out, especially with a facility that big. So they're really working on, on, I guess, setting it up right and doing it right. Um, you know, the, uh, I know some some particular bow shops in Canada can have a, a bad rap and they're trying to avoid that entirely. That's good. Whereabouts Especially in Calgary is it? Service. Like in the south or in the north? I like to check it's it out at, next it, time I'm I'm in Calgary. It's uh it's in the north. So if you're on Deerfoot and you take 30 seconds, yeah. It would be on the I hope I'm not messing this, it'd be on the east side. Okay. There. Yeah, it's 12 minutes from my house, actually. It's very convenient. Very oh, nice. Those are the That's, best yeah. ones. Yeah, exactly. And they're, it's they're 40 good, but they're not good. It all depends how you want to look at it. If it's too close <laughs> and convenient, it's like, well, I'll just pop in there. Yeah. It's a problem. <laughs> Drop 200 bucks. Yeah. Quick 200. Yeah. I'm just going to stop in there for a quick 200. It's like almost like a gambling yeah. addiction. I'm just going to pop <laughs> oh, in. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, when did you get into shooting? Um, I started hunting, I guess it, it all started, I don't know how it started with predator hunting, but I just, I was just curious one day and I wanted to go try my hand at coyotes. So I hunted coyotes for two years and then I thought, Hey, maybe I should go hunt a deer. So I went, got skunked on that on my first ever year hunting. I think that was about 10 or 10 or 12 years ago. I think, yeah, about that time. And the very next year after hunting rifle for deer, I went, why am I only hunting one month when I could hunt three? So I went and I bought a bow. And from there, I just kind of, it, uh, it was extremely frustrating for a lot of years until I kind of figured it out. So, yeah, it's, uh, it definitely is that for sure. Um, yeah, 100%. I know here in BC, we got a little more liberal rifle season than you guys do in Alberta. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, our archer season's only nine days, pretty much. So, really? Yeah. Wow. Rifle, rifle September 10th to November 30th. Holy moly. And then each species wow. has their own like cutoff day. But yeah, yeah, rifles are good to go during those. Times. I feel very fortunate in the south, in living in southern Alberta and hunting mostly the southern half of Alberta. Like, we get two months rifle free, which is awesome. Yeah, well, I for, definitely like to. We've talked about it before on the show lots. I definitely like to see maybe a little longer archery season and yeah, less long of a rifle season. Well, nine days. That's that's pretty short and hot. Nine days too. Like yeah. Kevin's usually hotter than where I am. Um, like I'm down in Invermere area, so go through Banff, kind of the same elevation as you, really. And yeah. you know, there's lots of times it's, you know, 28, 30 degrees on the first to the ninth still and wow. Kevin's even hotter. So yeah, that's brutal. That's yeah. We're cool. in the mid, mid thirties, early, you know, mid to late thirties, that time of the year still. But I mean that, and you get 
mid thirties through most of September down in the dry stuff down that desert area. So, but uh, yeah. Yeah. there's big critters getting shot down there. I know of, of a few over four hundreds that got killed down down uh, towards the border. So, oh yeah, yeah, See, they live there, especially with the parks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you had a good year killing some big <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been the dream season for sure. No doubt. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. been awesome. Started it, out. It, go ahead. Started out with the mule deer hunt. Um, took a week off, and we uh, this year actually was a struggle finding good deer. Um, we really, really fought to find the good deer, but it took almost a week with scouting and hunting to find a good deer and finally when we got on him we just couldn't make it happen and came so close and then uh went back out for kind of a second go at it and we accidentally bumped this deer trying to find another good deer the one that i shot and got on him and first stock we snuck in 55 yards on him and uh I was with my buddy and we snuck over the hill. He ranged him at uh, 55. I heard 45. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I shot and just oh. nicked the hair off of the back of his leg. All heartbreak happened. I was so upset with myself. And uh, it was just, it, it was a gimme shot. And the deer goes bounding over the hill. Next day, we find ourselves in, in, a very interesting situation. It's almost like everything. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this one. It seems like in a, a weird chain of events will happen. ABC one, two, three, as if everything is meant to be that exact way. You know, the, the next day we, we went, we, it was so foggy. We couldn't see 400 yards. I don't even think we could see 200 yards and we could not find a single deer in this coolie system where we had a shot at him the day before so we started shooting gophers. <laughs> we were up there shooting gophers at 50, 60 yards with our bows. We we nailed, I don't know, probably 40 or 50 of them. And then we went, hey, the fog lifted. Maybe we should go look for this deer. <laughs> and we go and we drive over to the, a different area where we thought he probably went. And we sat in the truck for the next hour just talking. And then we went, we should probably go look for this deer. Sure thing. We just walk over the hill. And he just happens to be feeding at the bottom of the coulee for about, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds, just long enough to identify him. And then he goes and beds in the, the absolute most primo spot you could imagine. That was it. So when you missed that first shot, did you, did uh, right away, were you like, uh, what, like, did you just assume you missed or did you know that he, you guys got the ranges uh, mixed up? I, well, you know, the sound when you hit a deer, right? Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, this, I don't know about you guys, but I know the sound pretty well of when I miss. And, uh, <laughs> this was a total <laughs> right into the grass. And, and I knew cause it, we were, I was up, up high, kind of at the top edge of a coulee, um, shooting down on him. And it just, as soon as I went, let it go, I knew it was a good shot. And like I said, it nicked the back of his of his leg um, below his chest there, and it just 
I don't know. I knew instantaneously as soon as I didn't hear it hit him and, and the deer just kind of stood there and looked stupid for a second <laughs> and then, and then went over the hill. But, uh, my buddy, he said, what did you do? And I was like, I, I don't know how I missed. And he said, what did you shoot him for? And I said, 45. You said oh, 45. Yeah. He said, no, I said 55. And I went, oh, no. Oh, and then man. I started beating my head into the grass because I was so upset with myself. This is a deer of a lifetime in my books, right? Okay, so uh, I know that feeling. Oh, <laughs> That's the one the I worst. know. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal, man. It's brutal. But I, I don't know. It's it's kind of things like that when it finally works out, the struggle. It it it, it makes makes it a lot sweeter in the end, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. When you when you go through a little suffering, it's always sweeter in <laughs> yeah. the end. Yeah, for sure. For so, sure. That shot the the sound you talked about, you shoot uh fixed or mechanicals. Okay, so <laughs> I've been a diehard fixed blade fan for a lot of years. Um I shoot a lot of energy. I'm my bow is, I got a Matthew, right now I got a Matthews V3X33. Um, it's wound up to like 82 pounds. I'm shooting a 500 green arrow at like mid 290s. So it's a lot of energy. I thought this year I'm going to try the Severs. And then I started looking into more broadheads and I did try the Severs. Um, I didn't try them long enough to shoot anything with them but i did try them and then i was looking into grim reapers and i i actually phoned down to the bow rack in oregon i started talking to wayne endicott there and uh and he's all about the uh, grim reaper carnivores they are a four blade broadhead it's i think it's a like a one and an eighth by one and a quarter cut i might be butchering this i'm not too sure but it's a big big four blade head yeah and i just I wanted to put one through a mule deer. I wanted to see what they were going to do in comparison to my, I usually like a four blade, one inch broadhead, uh, fixed blade. Um, that's kind of what my go-to has been over the years. Um, that's just worked well for me, but I wanted to see if I can put the biggest, the absolute biggest hole in a deer and see what it would do. Uh, so I shot that, that mule deer with the carnivore and I actually shot my bull this year too, with a carnivore and Man, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be shooting them next year. Yeah, so hit. I shot the Grim Reapers. We talked about it. Pete and I have been talking about this, um, I, I guess, from, I guess, since about this time last year, AP? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, as maybe a little later. I think it was in December when when you had your white tail thing happen there. Yeah, your so I was shooting up. those Grim Reapers, and, like, those things, they kill shit, right? Oh, yeah. Like I, I've shot, so this year I've been running them, I, and I've killed two elk, you know, a mule deer and a buffalo, and I've had pass-throughs on all of them. I mean, yeah. um, with the exception of that bison and the first shot, it, it stuck, got hung up, stuck halfway through, but the second one at 40 yards was a pass-through. Yeah. Damage. I'm shooting the three blades. Um, last year... I was hunting whitetails and it was cold. It was minus 25 minus between minus 25 and minus 30. 
you know, in, in the truck when I left, it said it was minus 25. Ooh, Up where cool. I was, it was probably closer to minus 30. And what yeah. happened was the broadhead didn't open. It froze. So like, Really? Yeah. So you know the sound when you hit a deer. We talked about that sound. And, like, I knew right away I hit that deer. Because yeah. if I missed, it wouldn't have made any sound. It would just land in the snow. Yeah. But when you shoot a deer enough with a bow, especially a mechanical, you know that that sound. It's a very distinctive yeah. sound. Absolutely. And so, you know, um, I ended up, tr- uh, I had a little bit of blood. I bumped it, wait, went back to the truck, waited a little bit. It was already dark by then. Bumped it again. And I was like, man, I, I'm going to have to come back in the morning because I'm just going to keep pushing it, right? Um, figured he would have died overnight and it, you know, I could pretty much guarantee he did, but it also snowed over an inch and I lost the blood trail. Oh, that's so, brutal. That's what I wanted to talk about a little bit today is, um, we'll get into some whitetail hunting, but just broadheads and arrow setups and stuff. So like this year, like I said, I've been running, you know, those grim reapers and they have just been killing shit. Like they're deadly. The nice thing about a mechanical is it's just accurate you know what i mean it's all about shot placement right and they cut yeah and they just cut shit like Mm -hmm. people when we were talking when we were talking what was that last week or the week before uh it was a late night and i said i had some something i wanted to talk to you about yeah so i had uh, a bit of a ridge rib cage left over from my mule deer and the kids keep asking me they wanted to see what uh what it looks like when an arrow hits hits an animal, right? Because I showed a picture, and I got a picture. I'll show both of you guys, and like you can see the damage, like the cut that that uh, Grim Reaper did. So we we set it up, and I sh- was shooting Montex. Um, I was shooting those sharpshooters. I was shooting those four bladed. Um, what the heck are they called? Oh, I can't awesome. remember what they. Yeah, the, I think they're the wasp, the floor, floor, fixed blade, four, four, uh, four bladed fix. I'm pretty sure they're the wasp. And then I was shooting Rage. I had the Grim Reapers I was shooting. And I was also shooting, uh, I think it was Slick Trick, another one. Anyway, we were, we were, I was shooting at the rib cage in different spots just to see what kind of, you know, what the, what the fixed blade was doing compared to, the mechanical and like i was hitting rib with those fixed blades but like they would hit the rib cut the rib a little bit but they'd also push through the rib do you know what i mean they wouldn't snap their rib like the biggest yeah. cut penetration i got was on the rage it destroyed those ribs like basically just cut the ribs right in half and it had like a massive massive cut penetration on it um this year i'm gonna go back for for whitetails i'm gonna go back to um fixed blade just because i don't want to end up in the same situation i was last year so it's been so i have i I shoot psc and i'm shooting i got the omen and the fortis and they're they're very similar bows so i'm setting up the psc omen it's thrown a major i haven't i haven't thrown uh shining arrows through the chrono yet to see what kind of error um Speeds I'm getting with a heavier arrow setup because I'm going to be shooting 150 grains, 200 grains up front with those um, those uh, 
um, victory, um, stainless steel arrow shafts. So they're, they're, they're over 500. I, th- I figured it, it's going to be coming in at about 526 roughly. I have to do it all. Once I get it all dialed in, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'll weigh them and everything and, and figure it all out. But it's definitely a lot more daunting process. Like just like when you're, sh- when I'm shooting those fixed blades, it's like, man, I could just screw a field tip in, set my bow. And like, I know it's going to be good with a mechanical, but like, yeah. I-, I don't know about you, Jordan, but I can net, like, it is so much work to get a broadhead shooting good every time like i can get like i number my arrows shoot them like go back to 60 yards and it's hitting that number one arrow is hitting probably with a with a fixed blade probably like a three or four inch grouping on it but it's never it's never you know what i mean like it's never the same and every once in a while you get a little like what the fuck was that like why is that going over there it just planes off yeah exactly So oh, I'd love boy. to hear a little bit about your your process for just like like I'm assuming you probably get like I I I I don't know you a great deal but I know like I know Kyle quite well and I know he's he's uh he's talked about you and just like how detailed you are with your process. So I'd love to hear about like your process for setting up fixed blades versus mechanical and just like how into detail and, and I guess nerdy you get on it. Well, how much time do you guys got? Cause like <laughs> you just opened up a big can of worms. here. <laughs> oh, I okay. knew I was going to, that's, that's why we wanted to oh, get you yeah. on the show here, especially for, yeah, especially for whitetail season. Cause I feel like, like for myself anyway, and I, I, I kind of feel like there's a lot of guys getting, they, they kind of have the same feelings. And I know my brother, he lives in Alberta too. And he's had some failures with, um with mechanical as well and it, it but it, it's kind of one of those situations where like pete like pete said it before he's like you could use that broad head a thousand times and it'll work every time it just happens that it was that once you know and it just you know there's they a work lot of, until they don't yeah exactly yeah okay so my belief here i'm just going to throw this out at the beginning and there's going to be people who have their heads explode right now Awesome. I am a hundred percent. I am a hundred percent a firm believer, one thousand percent a firm believer that if a fixed blade broadhead, um, let's say they all weigh the same, you could take a hundred of them. If they spin good and your bow is perfectly tuned at sixty yards, they will share the same hole. Every one of them. Every single one. Mm-hmm. The reason why. So, so what we're trying to do here when we're broadhead tuning for fixed blades is uh, well thing number one here's where i start with my process um first things first we need to make sure our arrow is spined 100 percent correctly if anything you want it tight uh slightly stiff you cannot have it even slightly weak otherwise you're going to have inconsistencies now you can have inconsistencies from arrow to arrow as well um if you are kind of riding that that kind of weak edge there you might have one arrow that's a little stiffer or have has you know you have a stiff side oriented one way or another mm-hmm. and that can cause inconsistencies as well every single arrow also has a stiff side that kind of comes into knock tuning as well but we can talk about that in a bit 
First things first, when we build a bow and we set up a bow, we need to make sure that that arrow is leaving the bow 100% as straight as possible. Um, how I like to do this is I like to paper tune. You, you don't have to use a bear shaft, but I do like a bear shaft. Seven yards from the paper. You want to stand seven yards back from the paper and you want to paper tune. Um, most bows these days, you can set your center shot and then use the cams as like a gang adjustment to, uh, to, to get like to fix that tear. But once you get within that point where, where your adjustment is too much left or right, now you have to use your rest and, and you shouldn't be moving your rest more than about a 16th of an inch in either direction of your center shot, which is 13 16ths from the inside of your riser on most bows. Um, yeah, and they make, now, like, that's the beauty thing about these new bows, especially now, is they make it so easy to shim your cams left and right. Like, that new Fortis I got, oh, my God, like, even compared to the Omen, like, to yeah. shim it at all, I have to pull the axles out every time still on that Omen because it's the older Omen. But, like, with that new Fortis, it's just clips. Yeah. It's just shim clips. Like, it's just, like, and, like, we were playing with that. I, I uh, You shoot the Matthews, um, but... I was playing with that deadlock system that um, that Botech has. Oh my god, that's even what? easier there. Like, yeah, it's like we had. I had a guy over and we were shooting shooting that paper, uh, and it was just like, yeah, it was just like two Allen keys. It was like loosen, tighten, or loosen, turn, tighten. It was like, oh my god, is this ever a yeah. great system? And when you remember with that system, okay, my broadhead's hitting left of my field points so i crank it this way or it's hitting right i crank it this way it makes it so easy yeah for sure Super yeah easy. so when we're, we're we're talking so like inconsistencies is a thing that kills me so like inconsistency so like i weigh all the broadheads and they're all a little different mm -hmm. which drives me fucking bonkers like every single <laughs> one is a little weighs a little different and i have a scale my wife has this scale for making candles and this thing is like you could drop a pubic hair on it and it would tell you how much it weighs like it's that you know what i mean it's that sensitive so but yeah. like i weighing my broadheads like when i when i start pulling those arrows out and i started i wanted to put them get my this my bow set up for um the fixed blades i'm weighing all my broadheads and they're all kind of different weights and i'm just like oh my god like little help here so i'm <laughs> i'm pulling the ones out that are the closest and I'm marking them one, two, three, and then putting them on the arrows and like just seeing, but yeah, like definitely knock tuning. And like, so like I, you, so you start with a bear shaft arrow, I'm assuming like, let's just tell me about like when you make, you make your own arrows, obviously let's talk a little yeah. bit about like how your process you go through for making your arrows. Okay. Well, first of all, I find, um i kind of give myself so i like my bow to be between mid 280s and mid 290s as far as speed first so first mm -hmm. of all when i let's say i'm starting with a brand new bow and i buy a bow i try different weights at my draw length and at my draw draw weight to see what gets me those speeds i want now here's where i nerd out about it <clears throat> is i have a software on my phone i don't think you could excuse me i don't think you can get anymore that you can put in a bunch of information. Now you can use Archer's Advantage. Um, it's pretty good, but there's one I like. It's called On Target 2, On Target 2 or Q Spine. It's kind of carries both names. Um, 
but from there you can you can well what i do is i like my arrows now i don't dive into the foc thing so much but i do know that i like between 15 and 17 percent for me that's where i've had the best luck with accuracy in general but especially mm -hmm. with fixed blade broadheads um anything over that i can't speak to anything under that it just hasn't flown right for me um or been near as consistent now do, now are you running the same thing sorry are you running the same thing so you say you're running 82 pound bow which is like so for that v3x what do they come at 75 pounds so you crank that sucker up um i haven't needed to truthfully Oh, it's just, it came like 82 pounds is what it came. Oh, my, wow. I had, yeah. I had a VXR two years before that. And at 75 pounds, it like with the mods on there, as soon as I put it in spec that, so that VXR was about 79. This V3X is 82. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. So are you measuring like through, as you shoot and as your strings start to wear in and all that stuff, like, are you measuring your speed and the poundage of your bow as you go, just to make sure that you, the arrow setup you're building is going to be what you what you built to spec for for it when you did it? Well, so as I shoot, you, I I can kind of notice when I get to a point where my bow just is performing a little bit different. Um, it, things don't start to hit where they need to now i i use really good high quality strings so i do believe that regardless um every single string set is going to have a stretching period but i kind of think it sort of stops um for the most part but let's say it's august or july or august and i set up my bow and i'm getting it tuned um it'll be about a week and a half to two weeks before hunting season that I do a triple check and everything is, is getting put back into spec for performance reasons again. Right. right? Cause I'm, I'm sighting in, especially, you know, you're going to see this more with sight tapes when you shout, uh, start shooting past 60 yards. Mm -hmm. Um, I think 60 yards and under, you're not going to see much as far as like performance in, 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 I guess your arrow speed and, and the drop out to 60 yards. But anything past that, especially when you get out to 100 yards um, and, and maybe even further, you're going to start noticing that. And that's yeah. something that's really important to me is is knowing that I'm dialed. I like to be dialed out to 130 yards and know exactly like my elevations are going to be perfect because I don't know when I'm going to need that that secondary shot at distance. And I have to know that it's going to hit that animal. If I have to take the shot. Yeah, that's for sure. Enough. Yeah. So. So anyway, so back to your arrows. So when you get arrows, so what what spline are you shooting? Like a two fifty? Uh, I. Yeah, I shoot two fifties. Yeah, because I'm a thirty right. inch draw. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I'm thirty arrows... and a half actually. It's thirty on a Matthews, but Matthews runs half inch long. Yeah. Yeah, I find that too. It's like I'm. I'm like at that. With the PSC, it's like I'm I'm almost like twenty eight and three quarters draw would be like if I could just get a little quarter inch, it'd just be perfect. Yeah, so, I don't know if they Set do it that. Set it at twenty eight and a half. Twist up your cables a little bit. Yeah, I do. I, I do do that. Um. Um. So anyway, so so you're shooting uh you're shooting a fairly stiff arrow. What kind of uh? And you mentioned like what are you shooting up front? Hundred grains, seventy five, seventy five grains up front. Um, 75 grains with a 100 grain broadhead okay i got you yeah, yeah so 175 yeah and yeah. then so 
on the back end, are you running what, what's your you run four fletch? I am a hundred percent total lover and believer of four fletch. I don't see myself ever shooting anything else because now <laughs> I've talked to guys like Chris Perkins about this and they don't seem to be able to shoot the difference, so they say, but I, I firmly believe with fixed blade broadheads, especially. Oh yeah, um, fixed, yeah. Yeah. Four fletch is the way to go, man. I'm shooting yeah. those uh driver 2.75s yeah. in a four fletch. Love it. And and I I I don't know when I'm gonna change or if I'll ever change, but yeah, yeah. I just bye, feel like when you're running well, I mean, just for everything, especially when you're whitetail landing, like they're just they're a lot quieter too, compared to like you know, yeah. like the three blazer veins, like I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the three blazer veins worked for fucking ever, right? And it, yeah, they and they still shit, do, and they still kill shit. Yeah, exactly. But um, I mean, when you can get that much more steering and just be a little bit quieter, it just man makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. I started shooting solid blade uh, broadheads to be quieter <laughs> a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. Now oh, they're yeah. way less forgiving, but but they uh, they are quieter for sure. Yeah, and so uh, what like. Up to what yardage are you worried about forgiveness when you're shooting for like whitetail hunting? See, I don't really bow hunt whitetail a whole lot. So I don't think about that stuff. Now for me, whitetails for 40 yards and under. Yeah. Cause anytime I've ever shot at a whitetail past 40 yards, his chest hits the snow and it's in Saskatchewan before <laughs> the arrow gets there. <laughs> <laughs> that that's one true thing too. It's, with those whitetails, man, fuck. Yeah. And I think I, I was listening to Levi Morgan talk about this, and he was telling, talk, just talking about where he aims on a whitetail that's at like, you know, 20 yards, you're, it, that arrow's going so fast, and it's such a big target at 20 yards. It really does, they don't really have time to react. But once you get to like 40, 50 yards, it, he aims like belly line or lower on those things really that mentally yeah. that's a, that's a struggle for me to think of doing you know oh, dude. it's like and, and like even to just what like, if it doesn't move yeah and you never know right i mean like i mean the uh, i'm not gonna argue with the guy but i mean like you just never know i mean maybe maybe he doesn't move and it's like oh man like and then you're yourself that's so hard yeah it's, it's but all it's over tough again it's tough to put your pin and I practice this too. I practice um, just arrow flight, right? So I'll set my target up. I know my targets over there and I'll just put like pallets or something up in front of my target. So I can't see the target, but I know, know where it is and I know what I'm aiming at just so I can get an idea of like what height I can get away with, you know, for bushes and branches and stuff mm-hmm. just to know my arrow path. But it's, it's really odd putting your pin on something that you can't see, but you just have to f- trust and have faith that it's there. It's I had just... to do that on a mule deer one day. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, <laughs> I, it's... I drew, I drew back and there was a branch hanging down between me and the deer. And I, and the deer was at 40 yards and I was in a coulee and it was just a doe. I had a doe tag. Um, but I, I, that, branch was exactly halfway and i just looked at full draw and my 20 pin cleared it so i thought i was good but i had to aim into the bush kind of or the the branch to where i thought the deer was to to shoot uh-huh. and it worked out really good i guess it was good guess but yeah definitely yeah, for sure. know your flight path. 
Yeah, and even like um just like punching through bush too to hit an animal is one of those things where you're always like, you know, I find if, if the animal is up close enough to the bush, you could punch through that bush and you're still gonna get it enough. It it doesn't yep. have enough time to deflect. Like if if you got a bush obstructing your animal and he's too far back, obviously it's gonna hit a branch and the chances of it deflecting are are a lot higher. But if he's close enough to that bush still, you could punch through that bush, especially you know, if you're shooting like 75, 80 pounds, you can still punch through that bush and not it, it won't have enough time to affect what mm-hmm. deflection of your arrow is going to do to, you know, you're still going to get a kill shot. Did you, did you see that video of me shooting my bowl this year? I did. Yeah. And that's why I kind of brought yeah. it up. Cause I, I noticed you did the same thing as well. And I think Pete and I, yeah. we, we've talked about that too in the past and just like, you know, but that comes down to like knowing your gear and knowing what, you know, knowing what it can do and, and just yeah. practicing that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. For uh, sure. Especially on a quality bull like that. I mean, like that's one of those things <laughs> where it's like, you know, if, if you've done it before and you know, it's going to work and you know, it's going to kill it, then yeah, absolutely. Right. But you know, if, if you, if you haven't practiced it and you're not familiar with your equipment, then, you know, you could sit, you literally could just sit there and stand there and wait for the wind to switch and that bull's going to get up and run away. And that's yeah. it, you know, when you could easily that get a kill bull this year, I've never seen an animal that tough and, and what happened with it didn't make sense when that bull that, so that was my third and final shot on that bull. Hey, in that video. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. I double lunged him three times. Wow. Yeah. They three times. You know, yeah, I've I've shot I've shot those suckers, put an arrow in their put an arrow right through a lung, and those fuckers will will they'll run up a bit and bed down. And they'll yeah. just like nothing's ever happened. I mean, aside it's funny, like when I arrowed that buffalo, he took that first shot and he took it like a champ. He just looked at me and it was like, What? Like that's it? Like that's all you got? The arrows sticking halfway in him, and he's just like he just looks over at me and he's like, That's you know, funny. like a fly just hit him. Like, <laughs> just like, what the fuck? I was like, holy Plus. fucking. And instantly when I did that happen, I was just like questioning everything, right? Like my poundage, my arrow setup, my shot placement, like all this stuff floods through you, right? All these different motions and like, you're just like, what the fuck? How this, you know, it's just, ex- yeah. you expect it to react a little differently than just like nothing. Like getting oh, shot with an sure. arrow and just to be like, what pussy yeah pussy (laughs) i was so nervous that that's funny you say that i was so nervous this year getting my wife to go out and 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 hunt an elk with her bow man because she's shooting 45 pounds a a 355 grain arrow at like 230 feet a second yeah yeah but you know yeah shot placement man she nailed him and, and he ran 60 70 yards and piled up yeah and well, that's, and that's where that's where people yeah. get so into the foc and all that kind of stuff sure there's some stuff to it but people got to remember there's a lot of people killing shit and big shit with every other configuration you can think of yeah so just because you're locked in on this it's not like it's the be all and end all because people that, like you just said like that's totally opposite of you know what most people are running for the most part yeah and it worked. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, and it worked really well. And yeah. she, and she, on the entry, she even punched square through the dead center of her rib too. Really? 
Yeah. 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 You know, it doesn't yeah. take much. You think of like, well, I, I mean, even like, you think of what, like, I think a wide spot, he's shooting about the same setup as that. Um, you know, it, it, it's still like, you think what it does to a piece of wood, what that arrow does to a piece of wood. So, I mean, yeah. Um, you know, flesh and bone, it's tough, but it's not that tough. Yeah. Yeah. And she so, killed him at 44 yards, too. Wow. That's good. That was about that was about the max. Like it was just a situation that happened. Um, why we we talked before and her max yardage was 40, but it was just a situation. He was perfect. We had a decoy. He was focused on the decoy, had no idea of our existence, really. And yeah, she she made a perfect shot. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's get let's uh let's let's circle back to um arrows here. So we're pulling a bear shaft out of the box. Yeah. Um, let's just just walk us through like what you're doing to get that arrow ready so you can shoot it. Well, so with the spine calculator now, I, I, I like to obviously I w- would have already pre-calculated um, the length. What, what I need type, to sorry, what type of arrows are you shooting? Are they pre-spine free or do you figure all that out by yourself? Are they? So you Sorry, know how victory the spine to line like do you do you buy them? Oh yeah, no, I don't believe that, and I've debunked that one. Right. Yeah, that that doesn't mean anything, and that doesn't matter. What ultimately tells you what's going to fly is when you screw a broadhead onto it and start shooting it. I found that that spine line, it can work for some arrows. I'd say for fifty percent of the dozen, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Um, and that sh- could be just based on the fact that your bow is or that arrow is reacting a certain way out of your bow you know um and yeah and you know that that can get back to tuning and all that stuff um yeah which you know i mean you could be shooting you could build a perfect arrow for somebody and if their bow is not tuned properly then good fucking luck right like yeah and and the other thing is sorry go ahead well i was just gonna say um I was just going to say, you know, and, and after that, then it comes down to the shooter, right? So yeah, um, a lot of variables. Um, but for yourself, um, just we'll just focus like you're building this arrow just so just for the listeners sake to get an idea of like how meticulous you are and like what process you've learned worked the best for you. Okay, so what I will do is I will spin every single arrow. And I will mark wobbly sides. If it, if both sides are wobbly, I will mark both sides. If one side's wobbly, I'll mark one side. I'm cutting both sides of the arrow uh, off, and I'm cutting the wobbly side off. I'm also running 1,000 straight arrows. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I've found that they do they do fly better with fixed blades. Um, now, if you're a guy that has a 26 inch shaft or whatever, you can, you can cut so much off of a three thou arrow that you're making it just as straight as me or straighter than me with a one thou arrow. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. cutting with both ends. Cause I got a longer, longer arrow. Yeah. Now I cut off both ends. I square both ends. And this is really, really important. People don't seem to square their arrows. It is extremely important. It is extremely overlooked. I square both ends, and the knock end is extremely, extremely, extremely important. Why it is so much? I believe it's more important than 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 the contact arrow or the the the, the other end where you screw your point into. Um, the reason why is because 
if you think of a knock, it's plastic, right? You can flex it, you can bend it with your fingers. That's getting a lot of force on it. And if that's not seated perfectly on the on the back end of your shaft and it flexes mm-hmm. one way or another, that's going to cause inconsistencies. Good point, right? Yeah. At least at least I think so. It makes sense in my brain. Hey man, yeah. So, so both sides get um get squared. Um then I take and and I've got um it's uh wax and grease remover. I'd have to look at the brand, but um and I clean out both ends and then I put my knock or, or I leave my knock out, I put my inserts in, I glue my inserts, um, and I even clean off my my inserts as well with this wax and grease remover. Um, I gotta have a clean Q tip in every single arrow coming yeah. out of it. It can't even have a little bit of darkness on it. Um, and then I will I will glue them let them sit for 24 hours. Then I'll put my knock in. And then from there I will, I'll take probably five or six arrows. And I will, like I said, when I'm building my bow, I will to tune it. I will bear shaft tune. Uh, well, paper tune with a bear shaft at, at, at seven yards from the paper. Right. It's that it's, that's like the perfect number. I feel like if you go six yards, it can work. Eight yards is like too much. You know what I mean? And I've, yeah, I've, for sure. I've and we, we've had other guys on him. I think Greg, I'm not sure if you know who Greg Poole is. I mean, I always go for like 20, 21 feet. I always find. Yeah. Um, and I think Greg, I can't remember what did, what did Greg say. I think Greg said about the same seven yards. Was around seven yards too. And I've heard that from quite a few other yeah. places as well. Yeah. And I wonder why, I don't, I don't know, know why that is, but I just, yeah. I mean, I started doing it just because that was the length of my garage. And then, um, after talking to guys like yourself and Greg, and they're just like, yeah, seven, seven yards. And then it was like, okay, well, let's roll with that. I think, I don't know what it is, but I feel like it gives you the most, it's almost like, I don't know, you, you know, when a, a dirt biker goes up on over a jump and they kind of do the whip and then they end up coming back. Yeah. It I has time like, to correct itself. Like that yeah. gyro thing. There's a point where it's going to go like your arrow. If it's coming out sideways, it's going to come out sideways and then it's going to start to come back. Mm-hmm. Right. And I almost feel like that seven yards for any setup I've done, it's like almost at the farthest point. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it does. Because the thing just, is speed. Well, you think about it. I mean, speed is going to like without the steering, without if you're bear shaft tuning, without the veins on it which makes it a lot harder is because it has zero steering, right? And so it's mm-hmm. not going to correct itself, but trajectory is going to force that arrow. If it does come out a little bit, it's going to curve to a certain point. And obviously if it's something's out of whack or, you know, your hand torque and your bow, then it's going to do the, it's going to react in a different way. But um, you got to yeah. think velocity is going to send, you know, it, it, there's going to be a certain point where it's going to fly straight for a certain point just because of the speed. Yeah. Um, you know, without any steering with steering, I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's, that makes all the difference, right? You're going to, you, as soon as those veins start to spin and like, I mean, you get into, so do you, so you shoot a right-handed bow, do you shoot, um, your custom strings you make, do you get them spun a certain way to match your veins? Like, do you have your veins spun or offset left or right? So my veins, I'm shooting a left helical left or a left helical. offset with a helical. Um, yeah. 
the reason why is I have clocked my arrows yeah. on numerous setups. I don't clock them anymore. I just trust it. Um, and every single time they're, they're coming out spinning left. Now, as yeah, far I've as only had one me, bow, sorry, I've only had one bow ever shoot where it spun right coming off the string. And that's just because that's how that string was spun for some reason. I don't know if the guy did it upside down who did it or, or whatever, but um, yeah, they've all shot. And I think, I think we had, uh, who do we have on Pete? And he talked about that and he said it was like 98% of all bows. That might've been Greg as well. Yeah. I don't, it it's wasn't possible. Greg. It wasn't. Um, okay. No, but anyway, he was saying that 98% of, of all bows are all arrows come off that, off the string spinning left yeah yeah i'd believe it yeah i don't know how the how the string twist affects it now i did <clears throat> i did have a string built for me one time that was spun let's say the opposite way it normally is i'm not uh -huh. sure which way whatever but man i couldn't get that thing to shoot i could not get the thing to shoot so i was so frustrated with it like I like I couldn't get it to group at 40 yards. Like it was brutal. I put the old string back on, it was awesome. Done. Is that right? Yeah. It, yeah, it was great. Yeah. So and you know, I, it, it makes a big difference having a set of strings on there, like a good quality set of strings. Yeah. Um huge. yeah, huge difference. Yeah. I mean, even like well, I mean, like all these factory strings that come now, they're pretty damn good. I mean, if I mean you think back. You even go back ten years, and like just how far how far advanced not just the bows have come, but everything like strings and like just our understanding of bow mechanics and and all that stuff. So um, they've definitely come a long way from from what they were. So they're you know even the strings you get with the bow. If you were to just to go down and buy a bow, I mean, you spend two thousand dollars on a bow for the average guy, right? I mean, by the time you get it set up, I mean, you're pushing three grand. You don't have to feel that you have to put a, you know, right. First thing you do is you have to go get a new set of strings. Yeah. I don't think the, average... I do myself. I do myself. I go get a, I get, go get a brand mm -hmm. new set of strings just, just so I know like that's the operational part of the bow, mm -hmm. right? Like that it come that string moving um, can change so much, especially, especially, when we're talking fixed blades and in a hunting situation, but it's also because I want to take that factory off, stick it in a baggie and have that as uh, Oh shit. I just cut my string back up yeah. set, you know? Yeah. And we've, so. we've talked about that lots before just having that, having that extra set of strings because yeah, I mean, if you're on a hunt or you're leaving the day before and you're just going out to th show a couple arrows or something happens and it's like, Oh shit. You know what I mean? You don't have time to get new strings made. It's definitely nice to have an extra set of strings yeah. there for you. Yeah. I got one that's peeps all tied in, ready to go. Yeah. I just got to throw it on. And basically the only thing that I would have to check because I've got, you know, the slider sight and this, you know, uh, a certain, you know, uh, shot tape and everything is just to make sure the poundage is extremely close to where it was approximately, yeah. you know, when it broke, when it got cut, whatever the deal is. Yeah, and Pete, you're, totally you're running you're running uh you're running a limb driven rest too so i mean you don't even have to worry what kind of rest yeah. do you run jordan i run uh ham skis pretty yeah. much exclusively that's I what got, i like i've, I've got grown the trinity oh, i got the trinity oh, on mine yeah. and it's bulletproof 
they, that's the thing is they are bulletproof, you know, and, and I, I, I did some phoning around at shops once and, and I asked them, I said, what is the most, I guess, returned rest. And I'm not going to name any names right now, unless you guys really want me to, but the least returned rest, um, was, was, was the ham skis like for problems. And usually when they are returned and broken, it's user error. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bet. And it's hard yeah. to break them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that... I, I love mine. And I think the other thing with the strings too is the average person probably isn't going to notice a huge amount because the average person doesn't shoot as much as we do. So they're yeah. not going to see the stretch as quickly. And, you know, like it, it might take somebody all summer to finally mm-hmm. have their, their string stretched out. Shit. I can well, have I mean, it could take even longer no than that. You think about it. I mean, you know, it all oh. depends how many arrows you're putting down range. Yeah, and you then know, you got to think of how many getting out once a week. Yeah, and we're we're yeah. shooting every day, like thousands and thousands and thousands of hours. I mean, even in the winter time here, if it's warmer than minus ten Celsius, I'm outside shooting. Mm-hmm. Hopefully after hopefully after my Reno, I'll be able to shoot downstairs. Not hopefully, I'm going to make sure I'm able to shoot in my basement. You know, it doesn't matter to me if it's eight, ten yards. I don't care. It's all about reps and muscle memory. So when I get to go outside again and start shooting longer distances, you know, everything is set, muscles are ready. And you just have that, you know, you know, everything's working well. It makes a big difference. But, you know, saying that your strings stretch a lot faster and you go through a lot of strings. Like my strings are, I went through a lot of sight tapes from where I started to where I finished this year. And I'm thinking I need another, another string already. And it was a brand new string this year and it's, like even my servings on my cams are like, you can see the orange underneath the black and everything. And like, everything is stretched, stretched. Yeah. So, do, yeah, so when, the... when you're running, uh, when you're running field tips, you're, do you, so when you're doing your inserts, do you line your, your, your fix, sorry, your fixed blades, do you run your fixed when you're line? Do you line your f- inserts up with your fixed blades before when you, before you glue them in? No, nope. or do you heat them up again and just spin them? I don't use well. That's one thing is I will never ever use hot melt glue ever, never gotcha. ever use a two part. Um, that, well, two part epoxy or um, one glue that's been really good for me is gold tip tip grip. I know it's more of a fast setting glue and yeah. people say there's with it cracking and stuff like that i've never experienced that myself i use that nine second glue and it's the best glue i found like for gluing your veins on fuck man is it yeah. golden it is money yeah. it's like but it's like it's almost the point where it grabs too quick because by the time you get your <laughs> fingers off the vein it's like i've had a couple of times where i'm like Oh fuck! There goes that vein. It's garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ever glue your fingers together and had to cut them apart? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I've fletched. <laughs> I've fletched so many arrows, and I've done it where I've glued literally like just you get a little bit. You know, once you get into like you're doing a dozen arrows, and they're they're you're running four veins on each arrow. That's a lot of glue, and oh, it's daunting. By the time you get to the ends, I've had it like you don't notice a little bit of glue that builds up. And all of a sudden, you know how when you get glue on top of glue, it just dries that much faster. And so like you get a bit of glue on you, but then you just like rub it off real quick. But then you have it on your fingers already. And like you get a little tiny bit on there, then you grab the vein and it's like, oh, fuck. 
yeah. So, so how do you line? So how do you, how are you lining your fixed blade up or are you putting your fixed blade or your fixed blade in and then putting your veins on to match your broadhead? Or are you not worrying about so, it altogether? I don't worry about it altogether. Now, that being said, I will go through and screw fixed blades onto different arrows that I've confirmed fly yeah. with, or I've got them tuned for the broadheads. I do like them when they match up just because it looks nice, but it, it doesn't make any difference to, and I've, and I've, I've tested this out shooting uh, fixed blades at a hundred yards mm-hmm. side by side. And, yeah. and I, and I cannot make it make any difference whatsoever. Yeah. And one thing I noticed anyway, is that like, even if you're going to, if you're going to line it up, you have to keep that broadhead with that arrow all the time. You can't switch mm-hmm. it out and switch arrows because if you, if you line a broadhead up to wherever you want it or wherever you're, wherever you want it to be, or you think it should be, you unscrew it and you screw a different one in. That's supposed to be the exact same broadhead. It's always a little different. Yeah. They're threaded threaded exactly. It's not threaded the exact same, just the same way is like when I was weighing those broadheads, they're supposed to all be the same weight. They're not. It's like, you know, um, frustrating. Yeah. 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 No, I've tried to I've tried to weed out the minor details that don't don't matter so much and 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 focus on the things that I think matter. Yeah, I do you get do you get like really obsessive about it or can you get really obsessive about it? I mean, like it, it, mm-hmm. I was getting so bad with it and then finally I was like, you know what? I just got to shoot some fucking arrows. Like I, I got to quit worrying about all this stuff and I just got to put arrows down range and you know like I'm not going to those 3D shoots. I mean, I definitely should go to more but at the end of the day, I'm just like, you know, my grouping's pretty good at 70, 80 yards, and I'm comfortable killing animals, you know, at that distance. And I just got to get arrows downrange. I got to get arrows on the target to quit worrying about all this fussing. And instead of pulling my bow apart, let's just get some arrows downrange. You know, and I think a lot yeah. of the, again, the average person, um, most of it's not even going to be like, if you have a fairly well set up, you know, you don't have to go through the nitty gritty with your arrow. It's going to be them. It's going to be their, their form. It, I'll guarantee you 90% of the time, it's going to be the shooter. You know, you can have a relatively straight arrow. You can, you know, especially take the broadhead off, even if you're just shooting 3d or whatever, it, it's going to be them missing here and there. And it's going to be form. It's going to be hand torque. And it's that stuff you got to work out because it doesn't matter how nitpicky you are with your arrow. If you're still torquing your bow, you're still missing your spot. It doesn't matter. You know, if you're you're punching your trigger, you're you got to work on that stuff first. And once you have that, if you want to call it mastered, or at least, you know, you're doing for the most part the exact same thing every single time, or as close to it as possible. Then I think that's when you start getting into being obsessive about your arrows and stuff like that, and you can break that down because. I could take your arrow that you've built for me. That's absolutely perfect. But if I got shit form, I got shit form. I'm not going to hit anything with it. Or just inconsistent form. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. just inconsistent. So work on your form first. And then once you start, you know, getting those groups together, it's like, okay, now how can I get to that next step? And the next step is, yeah, knowing your, knowing your equipment and, you know, making it precise. You know, a lot of people who get their, their arrows pre-cut, you know, maybe they don't have an arrow cutter or anything like that, but once you get into it, 
those labels, they're just stickers. They mean nothing. Like when, when all you, you care about is hitting that 14 circle, hitting that money spot with your broadhead, all you care about is straightness. You don't care about the stickers. I mean, yeah, it looks cool in a photo and it looks nice in your quiver and all that. That's all it is. I don't care if I cut, you know, all off the ass end of it. Doesn't bother me. Yeah. For a photo, it might. I might actually swap the arrow out for a photo, but that's all it's there for. The rest of it, when the, those shooting arrows, like they're straight as they're they're straight as hell when I cut them. I don't care what end it gets cut. Like you say, both ends doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, if they get too wonky for me, I peel the labels right off. Truthfully, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even lying to you. <laughs> I can't look at them all zigzaggy, and my quiver drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, put a little chemical on there, strip them right off. See you later. Yeah, a little paint thinner. Yeah, peel exactly. it right off. That's exactly. Yeah. Well, right on, buddy. Um, yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Hey, Pete, we kind of kind of covered what we wanted to talk about. We wanted to get into the nitty gritty about arrows and and just being fanatical and and all that stuff and kind of what makes you a great shooter. Um, got anything to add there, Pete? No, it's uh it's nice it's always nice hearing and talking to somebody who's, you know, going through the process of, you know, where you started out. We all started out the same yeah. same place and you know how you kind of recognize what you need to do and all the practice and then, you know, getting into it. And for a lot of people, don't be scared. Like this arrow building thing is it's it's just being consistent with stuff and just learning it. It's actually not that hard. And once you start getting into it, um, you'll, you'll never get another person or another shop to do your arrows again. It's, it's really not that bad, but it makes a world yeah. of difference once you get into it. And I think understanding your gear makes a big difference in your, you know, once, once you get into shooting enough arrows, you're going to be able to tell instantly if you shot a bad arrow before, by the time, as soon as that arrow leaves the string, you're going to be able to tell if it's a bad shot, right? You don't even have to go yeah. down range to look at it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, but I mean, the biggest thing is just go out, shoot arrows and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. I will so, say, though, like, uh, I forgot to ask you about, uh, how long, when did you start shooting? Like how long have you been shooting for? Uh, shooting bows probably about 10 years. Um, and only competitively like the last couple of years, really. Is that yeah, right? I, I, my first ever 3d shoot I did was before COVID happened. And then, there was two years of no 3D shoots and then came back and it just, I put a lot of time into my bow and kind of went there yeah. and just put the hyper-focus mode on and started mm-hmm. doing okay. And well, now you're I, just... think of one, I can think of one specific shoot that I think you should come to in July. Oh, yeah? Good old Bighorn in Radium. Bring the family down and... Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a world of fun. We put it on That's here. Awesome. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite the shoot. It's... Oh yeah, everything you, we we have it set up so the kids we make sure that the kids are going to have fun, all that kind of stuff. Okay, and there's some now. Is it, is it is it like target bow style stuff or is it mostly hunting bows? It's whatever you want. We have every category. Okay, yeah. and we make sure that it's set up so that people with you know uh, who are traditional, all that kind of stuff, that they're everything's set up so that they can have a good shot too. See, Pete goes okay, out. He he goes out. He sets up the the range and he shoots oh, it. About, he do. shoots it about for a few weeks before anybody else. So <laughs> I had nothing he has to the upper do with advantage. that setup. I had nothing to do with it. You saw it as much as I did. <laughs> he practices with the orange stickers on the on the twelves, eh? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. You still got more meat in the freezer than I do. It doesn't really matter how much good foam I hit. <laughs> but yeah, a oh, lot of our goodness. shots there at that, you know, they're for the hunting setups, like for the hunting pins and stuff. Yeah. There's a lot that are going to, you're going to be like, oh, I've definitely been in this position before. Like there's a yeah. lot of fun shots. I'm bringing That's two good. bows like this that. year too. So I, uh, my bow had a little bit of, I had issues with my bow last year and I'm still, I, I don't know. I think maybe I left my bow outside Pete's trailer when I was ha- having a coffee or something and something happened to it. Something funny <laughs> happened to it. So yeah, who knows? got kicked. Got to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay guys. Well, we'll wrap it up. Thanks again, Jordan. I'll, uh, I'll put your information to, uh, to you and to where guys can follow you and all that stuff up in the, up in the notes and i'll also you mentioned a couple of things there um one target two and the and the other ones there too i'll put the links up to those in the show notes and it's been uh it's been good chatting buddy sounds good before yeah, we wrap up on. i just gotta say for those of you listening today um don't be afraid to go out of your comfort zone and really learn your bow and 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 start start diving down the rabbit hole because it's you're gonna find your process and your system that's gonna make it Every time you get a bow, you're going to just set it up the same way or very similar, and it's just mm-hmm. going to come together, and you're going to be way less frustrated. That's yeah, 100%. And you know your equipment, too. It makes, Like I said, it makes such a difference just because, you know, sometimes things happen to these bows. I mean, just, you know, somewhere along the line, something happens. It gets bumped, moved, twisted, or, you know, anything. And, and if you understand your equipment perfectly, you know, you, you're going to save yourself a lot of frustration because I know I've yep. no... I've, I've met guys and I've, I've helped guys that, you know, they've had instances where the bow got bumped and they've, you know, had a bent cam. They, you know, all of a sudden they just started shooting bad and then they start second guessing themselves. And it's just like, you know, understanding your equipment definitely can save you, you know, it'll make you a better shooter, but it could also just save you a lot of agony and frustration. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. Okay, guys, we'll talk to you later. Chat with you later. Awesome. Thanks, guys.